I did a trial in Santa Barbara Court. It was a jury trial. And they have something called the Elmo. And the Elmo is like an over, the new version of an overhead projector. The other expert would go to the overhead projector and he would do his stuff. And then they turn around and said, Mel, would you present to the jury how you got to your numbers? And I said, it's okay. And they said, do you want to use the Elmo? And I said, no, can I use a flip chart? And they said, sure. So I take the flip chart and I put it right in front of the jury box. And I start drawing and I start narrating and I get it done. And then I go back to the, the witness stand and they're asking questions. I get off the witness stand. Here's the thing to think about psychologically when you talk about creating a visual in someone's mind. So if I used the Elmo, when I was done, they would have turned it off. But when I was done, he didn't flip the flip chart. Oh so gosh. the jury oh spent my... the rest of the day staring at oh my, my picture gosh. and my numbers. This is what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> Mel, like, you find the like most genius things <laughs> ever. Unbelievable. You're listening to the Mind Your Business Podcast, episode number 115. Today, I'm talking to none other than Mel Abraham on the art of frameworks and how to become a thought leader in your industry. So stay tuned. What is up, my friends? James Wedmore here. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Mind Your Business Podcast, where I have a very special treat for you. I just wrapped up an interview with a very good friend of mine and my neighbor, Mr. Mel Abraham. We'll get into his bio in just a moment. Uh, but yes, one of the stories we talk about in the interview is how we serendipitously connected at a marketing event and literally connected the day he signed the papers on the house that he bought six doors away from me on the same street. Crazy pants. Hashtag crazy pants. And I've quickly become very good friends with Mel. He's a member of the Inner Circle Mastermind that I run. And he is someone that has a plethora, a cornucopia even, experience, wisdom, and value when it comes to business and marketing. But what we're going to talk about specifically here today is the art of frameworks and how you as a content creator can step into a thought leader authority role, even in the most saturated of marketplaces, by creating your own unique intellectual property. Mel has a gift, one of many that you will find on this episode. Because yes, he's a magician as well, which we don't talk about, unfortunately, on this episode, but he is a magician. He's a member of the Magic Castle, by the way. So among other things, but he has a gift. He has a superpower, the ability to create frameworks and models and communicate content, whether it's yours or his, in a more clear, concise, and effective manner that combines shapes, images, words, and more. It's unbelievable. And this is what we need today, now more than ever, as content creators, as authors, coaches, speakers, people that are sharing their content. This is how you separate yourself from everyone else. It's unbelievable. Now, Mel is the number one national bestselling author of The Entrepreneur Solution. It's a fantastic book. And he runs the number two business podcast as ranked by Social Entrepreneur, also called The Entrepreneur Solution. And he's a globally recognized thought leader business advisor, CPA, and financial expert that has created and implemented growth strategies, including taking a company from $50 million to over $200 million. He's a CPA, he's a magician, he's an entrepreneur, and now he's actually also a surfer. And I am so honored to introduce you to a good friend and even a good mentor of mine, Mr. Mel Abraham. Ladies and gentlemen, I am here with the one and only, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Mel Abraham. Mel, how you doing? I'm doing awesome. Not as awesome as you were probably the first time we did this, but um, <laughs> I appreciate the, uh, you know, going for the ride here. But that's, it's something we have to laugh at is that we were, we were recording. It was like, oh, man, it's good. So now like my only concern is this one isn't going to be as good. No, it's going to be better. It's going to be better. It's going to be better. We were on a fantastic conversation starting with this concept that I think is so crucially relevant to course creators, membership site owners, authors, speakers, coaches, anyone who's doing content marketing. And that is this concept that I hadn't heard ever really heard as like something that you teach that is actually deliverable until I met Mel. And that's called thought leadership. Um, and 
I had so many of my customers coming to me saying, James, how do you create a course? I want to, how do I create an online course? And so I'm teaching them like, well, here's the software to get and here's how to record your videos and here's how to edit them and upload them. And then they're like, yeah, but how do I create it? Like, what, do you, what do you mean? Like you just create it. And that's where Mel comes in is this concept of thought leadership and how to create this unique intellectual property that allows you to stand out in the marketplace and be an authority. So let's just give a quick definition. Like what exactly, what the heck is thought leadership? So for me, this concept of thought leadership, and this is something that whether you're a product-based business, service-based business, consultant or advisor, this is something that we need to bring into our sphere because the bottom line is we're in a time in our lives where I think that our society is starved for a new way to look at things. Looking at having different results and having a different life. Well, how do we get there? As an entrepreneur, the primary focus, whether it's products or services, is to shift and improve the human condition. Yes. In other words, they're better off than when they started. Well, how do you do that? You do that. You can't. You got to get them to do things differently. But the only way to get them to do things differently is to get them to think differently mm. first. Yes. And so this concept of thought leadership is how do I take my knowledge, my wisdom, my expertise, the solutions I have, how do I put it out into the world that shifts people's thinking so they can behave differently, achieve differently, live differently? Guys, this is so huge because most, especially like course creators and they're starting out, those people that like to call themselves newbies, I think the mistake that they're making, and I saw myself making this mistake, is they think that their value is in providing information. And then, of course, there's the other side of that, that the person's like, why should I buy your course? I can just Google all the information. You know, I'm learning the ukulele right now. And Mel was like, wow, you're getting pretty good. My wife's pretty impressed. That motivates me daily. <laughs> but I'm like, yeah, I'm just watching YouTube videos. There's nothing right now that's making me like, I got to get a course. Because like, it is. It's all out there. So that I think that's a challenge that we have, maybe also an opportunity, that like all the information is out there for free. But is that what we're really selling? Well, and the, abs- the answer is absolutely not. The bottom line is information is a commodity these days. Yeah. There's very little value in information. It's so ubiquitous. It's so overarching. I mean, there's 40,000 searches on Google each and every second of the day. Last time I checked the stat. Well, that's this proliferation of information. So it actually is hindering us from... Oh, absolutely. We can't... It's, we, it's become the enemy now. Exactly. It's, 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 we're like so overwhelmed by it. I'm overwhelmed. It's like... Why am I with a successful business and we have goals and all the things that, you know, a team and a company should have. And I am literally have waves of overwhelm on a daily basis. Yeah. And I know, I know I'm not alone. Like someone who's got, has a job who has young kids and they're trying to start a business. Like I can't even imagine what that's like. Without a doubt that, and it doesn't matter whether it's business or personal things, trying to just get wealth creation or raising a child, all the information. How do you know what's right? What's good? What's, what's, so that thought leader, that influencer is the one that if you position yourself right, if you present yourself right, if you package the information correctly, you stand between your customer, your client, your user, if you will, them and the Google searches, all the information, you become the interpreter of the information. And I think this is also so important because I've been in the industry so long that this is the, this is really a shift. It's almost like, yeah, this has always been possible and there's always been thought leaders throughout time, but we didn't, it wasn't a necessity to selling in the information space or coaching space. Because I remember when I was getting started, I'd remember, I'd like, okay, I know I need to I know I need to like build the website or the sales page. And then it was like, okay, now I need to get traffic. And where I was, was at a lack of information. How do I do that? Where do I find information on it? And I just needed the information. And if someone had, I got the information, like I'd buy it, I'd pay for it. Whereas today, I think that it is, it's, it's much less that. And it's more like people are in this analysis by paralysis. Well, yeah. What's best for me? What should I do? What should my right path be? There's too many paths to choose. If it's either left or right, that's one thing, but it's left, right, 15 degrees north and up, down. It doesn't oh, matter. Yeah. So people pay, they pay and they pay well for perspective. Hmm. Now let me frame that for a moment because I think I don't want people to get the wrong idea because as much as we talk about it being a commercial endeavor, it is a commercial endeavor, okay? And, and I don't want to make it just about money. The perspective has to create 
a betterment in their life or their business. It either solves a problem or accelerates their path to success. So, so that's why they're willing to pay for it because you're able to then filter through all the noise, filter through all that information and say, here's the three things you need to do. Do this, yes. do this, do this. And they get a result. If they don't get the result, we failed. So the point is, is that they're paying for a perspective, not information. Well, this is great because it begins to break the cycle or that link that we have to this belief that if I want to charge more, I got to give more content, right? Like it's worth more if there's, if I give the, the more. The thud factor. Yeah, right. Uh, and I, I got to tell you, you know, the first time I did my very first live event, it was a business breakthrough academy. I had two decades of being an entrepreneur, running businesses, building businesses, buying, selling businesses. And I went out there and I said, here's two decades of knowledge. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I threw up on them. Yep. And it was so valuable as information, but it was so unusable as a training because yes. they didn't know what to do with it. And when it's unusable, they're going to have a negative experience. They're going to feel like, like they failed. Yeah. They're going to feel discouraged. And they might even feel cheated. Like, this isn't working. You know, and it's like, we have an opportunity to take that on as our responsibilities. But like, it's not working because I'm not communicating as effectively as I can. And that's what we want to do. That's what this is about, is how do we not just be a commodity packaging the same information that someone else could copy and paste and call their information, and you couldn't even argue it. Right. You know, because it's like, well, these are the 15 steps that I could have just, anybody could have Googled and create something unique. So how do we start to do that? The way to do it is first things first is realize that our ultimate goal is transformation, is to get mm. a result for our customer, our client, the people that we serve. We're always coming from a place of service. I mean, if we're really coming from a place of influence, it's always, again, from a place of service. Yeah. So the intent is right. Beyond that, the first thing that we need to realize is that at the first level, is it essential to them? In other words, does it solve a problem that they want solved? It may solve a problem, but if it's not something they want solved, then as much as they're going to say thank you, it's not a commercially viable position for you as an entrepreneur, as a thoughtpreneur, as I call them. So another way to add is like, it has to be a big problem. It has to be a big problem. It has to be a pain point or a success point that they really, really are struggling with. That they're sitting back saying, yeah, I need that. I say that there's three lines that our customers have to cross. First is that I need it. The second is I need it now. And then the third, which is where a lot of us fail, and this is that whole you know vomit on them with all the information kind of thing, is they got to be able to say, I can do it. Mm. Before they go through any of it. Before they go through it. Yeah. Yeah. That's really up to us it, to show them that they can do it. Yeah, it really is. That goes back to this whole thing about, you know, we've all heard that communication is a two-way street. And I think it's an absolute fallacy. Yeah, I, it, I do too. It's really, it's a one-way street. The bottom line is that if my message doesn't land, whether it's a marketing message, it's a negotiating message, if it's a communication with a significant other or spouse, if my information or my message doesn't land the way I want it, it's not their fault. We can't point the finger. We can't look and say, well, they're just dumb or they don't get it. Oh, you're not they're, listening. Yeah, you're not listening. It really is our responsibility. Yes. And we got to take that on. And when we do, it'll shift the way we deliver things. Wow. Gosh, that's huge. How do you define transformation? What is a transformation? I think it, the transformation is for me is that they are, and it depends on the situation, but the bottom line is that they're in a better place than they were when they started. Mm -hmm. And maybe if we talk about business, what are the results? It may be more profitability. It may be more time off. It may be a different lifestyle. It may be less stress. There's a lot of different kinds of transformation we can give them, and it depends on what your information is and the knowledge that you have. Some people are saying, how do I raise children? Well, here's how to do it without having the temper tantrums and this and that. So the transformation in that point is how do you raise children without the struggle, without the tantrums, and that's what we're giving them. And then it kind of becomes the ripple effect of now that those things are not in your life, what's now is your life going to look like as a parent as your kids grow up? And so, yeah, that's really good. Okay, so let's say two people 
you know, we'll call them competitors for this example. Two people identify the same problem and the same transformation and they communicate it. Like, what makes one a thought leader? Or are they both? Like, if they're, you know, well, how can one at least stand out as a different thought leader than the other? So, and, and this is actually a struggle for people that I call in this influencer wisdom space is that we say one of the lies we tell ourselves is that I'm too late to the party. And I, I did this with my, oh, yeah. with my book. I mean, yeah. you know, the entrepreneur solution. Mm-hmm. I mean, I originally wrote that in 2009, 2010. We didn't release it until 2015 because I looked at it and said, wait a second. You know, there's a lot of books on entrepreneurship. So I'm too late to the party. The difference that we, we got to realize is that there's an audience for each of our perspectives. They have may have learned entrepreneurship from, you know, from Stephen Covey or a whole host of Michael Gerber, Tim Ferriss, whatever it is, they may have learned it from them, but they didn't learn my perspective. And there's an audience for me. And if I didn't get that information out there, I mean, we moved 16,000 books in a few weeks. Wow. So there's, there's 16,000 people that would have not heard my perspective, and that's what was meaningful to them. So when you talk about is there room, and I'm interpreting your question, is there room for two thought leaders? Absolutely there yeah. is. Well, I got a, actually a specific question that just came up in, in one of my groups from a woman, Erin Robinson. And she said, I'm just going to read it. I want to see if we can like, okay, we'll just answer it. Just, I want to hear yeah. your thoughts on this because I haven't answered it yet. Cool. Uh, in fact, I think I'm doing your work for you. Yeah. You're doing the job. Isn't that nice? That's called leverage folks. Hey, leverage. Um, Aaron says, James, it, it feels as though we're talking about choosing your niche, you know, okay. which is like, was that, it's like that hardest and like most critical first phase. It's like, you know, you, that can determine a lot comes after that decision. Right. It feels as though my current market is oversaturated and she's in the fitness coaching. Do you think that it is BS that I'm telling myself, or do I just need to get more specific in my niche? She read a PDF I gave her that there's always room for a unique perspective. Mel and I see very eye to eye on that. Is a market ever oversaturated in your opinion? Like if you were starting today, would you still think for me about ranking YouTube would be a good choice? If I didn't, it wouldn't be because it's oversaturated. So you don't have to answer that part, Mel. I guess what I'm getting at is, are there ever too many blank in the marketplace? Is this something we should even consider? So for me, the answer is no. I think that if you're going to, the key, and this goes to this next piece, if it's essential to their life, in other words, we're solving problems that they want solved, the next piece is, are we expanding the thinking on the topic? Right. The idea behind fitness, the idea behind diet. I mean, there's been diet books forever, and they're going to continue to come. But the, the, what's if you look at that as an industry at large, it has evolved. You Huge. look at like, you know, you've ever heard any stories of like what Arnold Schwarzenegger did to just the, the world of bodybuilding and what he did to advance just like normal health and fitness and where it's come from there. And the type of stuff I remember learning because I was actually really overweight. Go before him, Jack LaLanne. I mean, right. I mean, yes. and he was around for totally. like, I don't know, 150 years or something. <laughs> yeah, at least. <laughs> but I look at like, what you know, I was 225 pounds in college. I was a big kid for, you know, like I'm supposed to be like skinny. I was like really skinny as a kid. And then I just like blew up. And so I, I look at the stuff I was learning then and then the stuff I've learned now. And it's like, wow, in five, ten, fifteen years, it has evolved a lot. So that's a really interesting concept to look at it from that lens. Is like if you're in an industry that's evolving, you know, as if you look at health and fitness, like new science, new experiments, new foods, new whatever, we are fueling the growth of that industry. And if it's gonna grow, and that's an example of where like online marketing can be said to be a very oversaturated market. Sure, but it changes so fast and so yeah. frequently. Like I'm looking, you know, we're recording this episode at the beginning of August and it was February of this year that they released Facebook Messenger and it was like one more tool to like, oh good, now I gotta go learn this. And it's like funny that today we're using it just like everything else that's been in there. And it's like, wow, man, like months ago it didn't even exist and now it's like a mainstay of what we're doing on a daily basis. And those changes and those shifts and those evolutions are getting faster and faster and faster. And if you truly want to be a leader, if you want to be an influencer, you really need to be at that edge of that change. So how how do we stay at the edge of that? 
it means that we entrench ourselves in the industry. Yeah. You know, for instance, if anyone that's listening and you have a topic area, whether it's, you know, fitness or child raising or, you know, corporate culture, leadership, if you have not read the top three books in your field in the last six months, you're not a leader. You're not in the game. If you're not reading and following the blog posts, if you're not going to the big conferences. When I started out, I'm a, I'm a CPA by education, but most of my work was valuing businesses, testifying at trial as an expert witness, negotiating mediation, litigation. Well, when I first started in that business, I read every court case. I read everything that I could get my hands on, and I was this walking encyclopedia of the history of what came before me so I could bring my perspective and grow on top of that. I love this. I want to I want you to help me with something cuz I feel I'm stuck in this. I find myself trying to avoid doing that because I fear that I'm going to let what someone else their intellectual property seep into my stuff. And I actually try and avoid anything that's very similar to mine. Like I try to go out to, to like very far-reaching things. Like, you know, if I'm teaching business and marketing, I'm going to find stuff on psychology or spirituality right. and like pull that into here i just i have a fear that like i'm just going to read something and then like while i'm creating my content you don't even know that you're like pulling that idea that you where did i remember that from and it's coming through your stuff what do you say to that i think it, it, it's a legitimate fear for instance when i'm getting ready to record something or something a lot of times i stop listening to some podcasts and some of those things because I don't want some of those stories in my head. Yeah. However, I also then try to capture, uh, it's something that I call the thoroughness blueprint, capture when I am reading those things and saying, okay, here's some key points that this person's making, all right? And I'm going to document those key points so I acknowledge where they came from. Then I'm going to not just say oh that's cool information because that's how we a lot of times we read casually and we say that's great information that was great but how often do you turn around and write it down in a journal or in a book or something and then say what do i think about that Hmm. what's what's my perspective on this how would i do this differently how would i do it the same or extend it because now when you go out into that world and you talk about your perspective on the shoulders of those that came before what ends up happening is that you in a sense one borrow credibility two your audience looks at you and says they're informed about this industry and three they go but i haven't heard that perspective before Mm. so there's their uniqueness and the distinction that comes into play yes and that's funny that this almost becomes the very thing that people are using as an excuse to prevent them from jumping in you know this it's oversaturated actually becomes the opportunity because it's like with all this saturation you will you have more more opportunities for your opinion and your perspective and i look just even at this podcast this was born not primarily but maybe secondarily out of the message i kept hearing of you know hustle 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 like the hard work equals success and me just having to say, here's my perspective on that because I did the hard work and nothing resulted that I would ever have called success. Yeah. You know, and now my definition is success is getting what you said you would do or doing what you said you would do or getting what you said you would get as easily and effortlessly as possible. I like that. I like that definition. That has nothing about like hard work and kill yourself because it's worth it. And I think that you're right on is that, especially in today's world, for people that want to be influencers, people that want to be leaders in an industry. Look, if I go back when I first started doing this as a CPA, we're talking about, you know, I'm going to date myself here, in the 90, <laughs> early 90s. Wow. Okay? Like, like, yeah, 90. Like, it was so bad. This is how bad I was. My partners at the time came to me and said, said hey, I think we should get a website. And I literally, I looked them in the face and I said, oh, that internet stuff, it's a fad. It's going to no. go away. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. So here I am. But the point being is that in today's world, back then, in order to get your your name out, I was traveling all around the country, speaking all the time. I was writing articles. I was setting to direct mail. I was doing it. But today, if you have a phone, 
you have a radio station, yeah. you have a publishing company, and you have a TV station in your fingertips, yeah. and you can deliver your message across geographic lines, global lines, easier than you ever could before. The barriers of entry are gone. Well, which is the opportunity and the challenge as well, which yes. is why we're talking about this, because when the barrier of entry is gone, it means, you know, hey, it's easier for me, but it's easier for everybody else, which is why. And, you know, seeing me being in the industry for so long now, seeing this shift of like, okay, we're not just selling information right now. Like it's not that it's all out there because everyone's yes, everyone's doing it now. We have to be able to do something to stand out. You have to be the thought leader. You absolutely have to be, which kind of leads us to that third level in what I call the thinking hierarchy. Yeah. Is that if it's essential and that it's expansive, we've grown the body of knowledge. And this is the thing that a lot of people get wrong in this industry is they talk about these conceptual ideas but never land the plane. Mm. And the third level is that the concepts, the insights, the information for it to be truly transformational has to be actionable. Yes. In other words, there's got to be a process attached to it that gets them from where they are to where they want to go. And the reason that that's so important is when you think about a process, for instance, I look at some of the stuff that you do, you know, business by design, there's processes, there's a whole lot of processes in there. But what that does is it gives your, your members certainty, hmm. certainty of a result. It means I can get results and I have certain outcomes if I follow the process and do what I'm told to do. Yeah. And so... We tend to like to talk about theory, and then we don't give them, here's the step-by-step that gets you from point A to point B. So So, you you really have to do both. You have to get them to think differently. Then do differently. And then do differently. Wow. So you you give them the thinking, and then you give them the recipe. Yeah. Well, one of your superpowers, we'll talk (laughs) about, okay, so I've seen Mel has like two or three superpowers. We'll talk about superpower number One's not taking out the trash, according to my wife. <laughs> or eating the food that you shouldn't be eating. I know. Okay, so, uh, and by the way, let's tell this story. So, so Mel's got two superpowers. We're going to get into those in just a minute. One of them, well, both of them, they're going to be really relevant to our listeners. But one of the things is Mel and I are neighbors. And it's a fantastic story of how we met. We were both happened to be in an event, and someone introduced us. Jeff Walker's PLF Live a couple years ago. Two years ago, almost to the date. Someone introduced us, and one of us started. You know, I forgot who it was. It was like, oh, it was where before are you? your wedding, and we were. I asked you about your wedding. That's right. If you found a place for it, I don't remember at that point if I had. No, you you did. Okay, you did. Which was montage. So one of us started by saying like, oh, where do you live or whatever, and, and I think it was me asking you. You're like, I just got a new, just moved. Where? And you're like, well, we're in Orange County. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm yeah. That's where that's where I live. Whereabouts? Like Laguna Beach. It's like, shut up. Whereabouts? Like uh, South Laguna. Yeah, I'm in South Laguna too. Where? It's like Three Arch Bay. And it's like, shut the front door. <laughs> Upper or lower. And you're like, lower. And I'm like, what? <laughs> okay, because I'm lower. What street are you on? Because there's only like 10 streets yeah, in, in and there. The, and they go both ways. So it's you, really five streets. Yeah, it's like to- five streets. Exactly. <laughs> there's like south and north of each street. Yeah. And you said, Portola. I'm like, come on. We're on the same street. And he's, find, we find out he's like four or five doors away from me. Yeah. Like small worlds. It was very exciting. Stalker. Yeah. <laughs> and then I find out. He found out where I lived and then dis- in- intentionally moved there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And he's actually been following me in my three previous houses. Damn it. <laughs> God. <laughs> that last part was a lie, folks. Yeah. Okay. So, so Mel's got a couple superpowers. We'll note it. We'll mention the first one first, which is it's a great one. So I've encouraged Mel somehow to learn how to surf, <laughs> and like I can't believe he listens to me because like, you know, surfing takes some patience. Oh yeah, it takes some guts, and it takes getting your butt kicked a few times and avoiding the rocks, which I seem to not be doing uh-huh, very well. Uh huh. So we go. We decide it was kind of a dumb idea, but it turned out to be perfect. But we decide to go surfing on July Fourth, which is like. The whole world is at the beach on July 4th in the middle of the day. And we, the beach we go to, like, they had the whole place was blocked off. Like, no parking, no, like, good luck. Go park a mile away. And Mel pulls into, we're down in Dana Point, and there's a parking lot with a gate attendant specifically for people that are just need to unload their boats, like an undocking station or whatever you'd call that. And there's a gate attendant there. Like, this is closed off. 
Mel pulls right up. And I'm sitting there like, Mel, what are you doing? Like, you, you know, there, there's no way. There's no way. And the short version of the story is that like 30 seconds later, you know, jump cut 30 seconds and the guy's waving us in and we're parking. And I'm just like staring at Mel in the face like, how the hell did you do that? How did you get by this bed? And it was just like so smooth and it was so good. So I won't reveal all of Mel's secrets, but I've seen this man like open sesame, like, you know, Fort Knox type doors <laughs> to get what he wants. It's unbelievable. And I think it starts with a simple premise that Evil told me is like, it never hurts to ask. Absolutely. It never Absolutely. hurts to ask. And you're always asking. And like people, yeah. I don't know if you're just asking the right way, but people always seem to oblige. So <laughs> that is a superpower. I envy that because that is, that is not one of my superpowers. I'm always the like, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't want someone to ask me. I wouldn't want someone to do that to me. So I'm just not going to bother. Like I, I, I kind of approach it with, I'm curious if I can yeah, and give it a shot. It's a fun little game and he's, he's gotten very good at it. <laughs> Okay, so let's talk about this other superpower, which is much more relevant to, to everybody. I just wanted a story time for a moment. So basically, this superpower I found while I was speaking at one of our live events, and Mel was actually in the front row, and as soon as I was done, I was probably talking for like 30, 40 minutes, Mel whips out this giant, like the 12-inch iPad, the big ones that the they big make. One, the billboard. Yeah, the billboard size <laughs> iPad, and there's like three circles on it. There's one word in each circle, and then there's like a word on top. He had just summarized my entire presentation, which, you know, I was kind of like rambling through and like <laughs> gathering my thoughts and like kind of figuring it out as I'm speaking it. And there it is on one piece of paper. And he's like, yeah, so, you know, in order to receive this, you need to have this, this, and this. And when you create this, it creates that. And when you do this, it creates that. And, and I'm like, when did you do that? He's like, oh, just while you're speaking. And then I saw him do it for like 10 more people. And I was just like, this is incredible. And so this is what we're talking about, folks, is like, is... We need to get our communication, our teaching, our message, not just out to the people, but we need them to get it. Yeah. And, and when I saw how you can take, you know, people are not going to remember what I said, but when you could take it and put it into a symbol, an image, a word, a phrase, a framework, absolutely, it becomes everlasting. It becomes immortal. And it becomes yours. Yes. It becomes yours so look like if we both okay mel and i decide we're gonna go head to head and we're both gonna create a course on how to podcast i'll win <laughs> he will <laughs> he will and here's why because me i will be the i will be the scapegoat here i will be the dummy what i would do you know that what you don't want to do is like step one buy a mic step two get this mixer board step three use this recording software step four talk step five edit you know it's the step it's an instruction manual yeah and it's one dimensional. It's one dimensional, which means anyone could come yeah. copy and paste that and like come on, like you I can't call copyright on my intellectual property. I said step one, get a mic. Like <laughs> you know. What would you do differently? For me, I would create I would create a full framework because I want to create a multi dimensional kind of way of representing what do I need for a podcast? Well, first there's equipment. Yeah. There's topic. And maybe there's audience. And those are the three, mm. the three main groups. So, and here's why this is important. The idea behind a framework is to take the complex and make it simple. Yes. And if we're going to get our audience, our audience has to come. they got to cross three lines. they got to cross the I need it line. They need to say I need it now. So there's an immediacy to it. But then they need to be able to cross the I can do it line. Yeah. And when you create a framework... That's what you get them across. You go and you take complexity and you make it simple. If I turn around, like when I talk about the whole idea of thoughtpreneurship, I said there's two things you got to master. You got to master what you know, the knowledge you have, and then you got to master how you're known. Now, mm. by virtue of just saying that and saying, oh, there's two things, everyone just settles down and they say, oh, I can do that. Right. Cool. Then I say, but we need to do it in the right order because if we don't do it in the right order what happens is we focus on our marketing but we have no depth of knowledge so let's get the depth of knowledge first then we'll bring in the marketing second what's funny too is that when you say those two things like we're going to master what we know we're going to master being known it's not something that someone would disagree with no like it's like yeah duh i, I knew that like it's really funny it's like you're you're taking everything that's in they are is already in their head and you're like, I'm just going to repeat back to you what you already know in a way more simple way. Exactly. 
Exactly. And then you do it in layers. Yeah. Wow. Which allows you... So a lot of people say, well, are you holding back information? I said, no. My primary focus is to get a result for a client. So if by giving them everything I know, I put them in overwhelm, I'm not getting the result. But if I turn around, I start a lot of my programs, I say, listen, have you ever been to Costco? Hungry mm. and without a shopping list. <laughs> okay? I mean, it's, it's never pretty. You walk out with thousands of dollars of stuff, and what happens in two weeks? It's gone because it went bad. You didn't use it. You didn't need it. Yeah. And that's the knowledge in our heads. The deal with influencers and thought leaders is it's not about what you say. It's about what you don't say becomes mm-hmm. more important. Because when I start, so what I do with that whole analogy is I say to my, my audience typically, I said, so listen, I've got a whole set of Costco shelves of knowledge in my head. It does you no good to dump it on you. Yeah. So how about I give you the four things or the nine things that you need over our time together that will drive the needle for you on Monday and know that when you go into the online course or you go into this other program that there's where the Costco shelves are so you can get it when you need it. This is huge because number one, we're breaking that link between the, if I wanna charge more, I got to deliver more content, right? But I think it's also happening on the customer side. Like I've heard people say things, unfortunately, and maybe it's just what you added here, is like, I bought a course and it's just like, I paid a lot of money and there wasn't that much in it. And I think that's a fear that someone like a course creator would have. It's like, what if they're just disappointed it's not enough? But I think by simply you talking to it, it's like, look, I'm not here to overwhelm you so you don't do the work. I'm here to give you the absolute bare minimum because you know look my dad always taught me this and i love it i've never forgotten it's like the shortest distance between two points is a straight line absolutely it's not a bunch of zigzags let me get you to point b from where you are as quickly as efficiently as effectively as possible man that's so huge so like what do you say to someone who's like let's let we're already telling them share less yeah (laughs) you know yeah but, but what about their fear that someone's going to come in and be like, seriously, I just paid this money. That's all I'm getting? So let me give you an example, which is a real example that I dealt with. Okay. I get, Like I said, I get hired a lot of times to testify, and usually a lot of times it's against the IRS sometimes for them. So I had a client that brought me in, and they were in a situation where the IRS wanted $5 million from them. Mm, okay, thanks. And I went in and did some work went in and negotiated, they ended up writing the check for 500000 Nice. Nice, yeah, $4.5 million. So the question and the focus really needs to be not on how many hours it took me, how much time it took me, how, mo- how big the files are, but how big the result uh, and the transformation yes. is. So if I'm in pain or if I'm desiring success, how big of a gap am I filling with what I know? And does it really matter whether I do it in one page or a thousand pages or one video, a 10 minute video? Or if it is the Jenga block that makes everything fit, the values in that Jenga block, mm-hmm. not in how big it is or how many there are. I think the challenge that we still have with this, I couldn't agree more, is that I think in society, I think I was raised this way, is that the bigger result comes after more hard work, more effort, more struggle, more sacrifice. Like if you just look at successful or prestigious career choices, like a doctor, a lawyer, yeah. like look at all the schooling they have to go to. So our whole lives, we have examples of like, well, you know, you want that degree, you want that career path, you gotta go to school for all these years, you gotta do this. And then, you know, here, here to, hey, like I'm gonna transform and you're gonna do it in this one page PDF. <laughs> You know, do you feel like you have to tackle that belief first before you can actually just give them that? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that they got to believe that it can happen. Now, that's mm. part of where the whole social proof comes right. in and play. Case studies. You know, I'm not one. We talk about testimonials. I'm not one for testimonials. In the realm that I came up, testimonials weren't allowed by ethics, you know, licensing rules. Really? But case studies are. Well, what's the difference? The difference is case studies are testimonials with numbers and results. 
So what? It, so, so a testimonial is just is, like is someone saying, "Hey, you know, Mel did a great job, and and yeah. I would recommend him highly." Versus me saying, "Let's talk about what happened with this, this cl- story," client. This, yeah. and I tell the story. Now it's just like this four and a half million dollar savings. I can give more detail to it without disclosing the client, but I'm talking about a case study. Now I could go in and say, "Here's the three things that I did that made a difference." Yeah, and that's exactly what I'm going to do for you. Yeah, for twenty thousand dollars. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so where else can we go with this? So, so then I think that so that whole concept of a framework mm-hmm. is what I call refining. So if I've got essential, I've got it expanded, I've now created it actionable, now I refine it by making it simple through a framework. Yeah. Here's a couple things on frameworks before we, before we leave it because there's one other element. Is the other part of it, if you're a speaker, if you're an author, if you're you know, a blogger, a podcaster – it gives you the opportunity to be able to do things on the fly. So, it's I, so true. It, by it, the way. It's, it's, it's so true. It's so. I was at a conference down in San Diego, 1,400 people there. I was supposed to do a Q&A. 20 minutes before I was supposed to go on stage to do this Q&A, I didn't really prep because it was a Q&A. It's like us bantering. But 20 minutes before I went on stage, the promoter came to me and says, Hey, why don't you just go teach something for an hour? <laughs> and I'm like, Most speakers would go, Holy crap, 1,400 people. I didn't prepare slides. I didn't prepare anything. Yeah. But because I captured and cataloged my information in that way, I said, all right, what are the three things they need to know today before I leave? Yeah. And I said, all right, I have the framework in my mind. I said, give me a flip chart. Give me markers. Give me the microphone. Let's run with this. And I am wow. dancing with the framework and the audience. And you just keep going back to that. That yes. becomes like your training wheels. Exactly. Wow. So can you share a little bit about like how someone could start creating a framework? Like, let's do this. Like, let's see if we can actually really ground this. So like, yeah, Mel's going to create a better course than me. I'll outsell him, but he'll make a better course. How was that? I'll be his affiliate and I'll get half the money. (laughs) Once you buy this course, I recommend James's. Okay. So, you know, I get it. It's like, hey, you could just make a list of like, here's the bare essential equipment. Yeah. What I would suggest is like something that would be really valuable would be, a strategy, so I'm going to have you pick one of these. Like, how each episode should be laid out. Because I feel like people would have a lot of uncertainty there. Like, what do I do? Should I have segments? Should there be a flow? Like, what do I say? When do I say it? How long? I think another area where people would struggle is how to market uh, or how to position the show. Like, from the jumping off point. Like, what makes my show unique? And then the other thing would be like, well, how do I get the downloads? How do I get the listeners? How do I market this thing? So three areas... If you had to pick one to create a framework around, which one excites you? For me, I probably it would be content creation, which is where I try to I spend a lot of my time. Okay, so content creation. So like, yeah. how you'd create a framework for like how to create the episodes? Yeah. So can we start just walking through that? Sure. And you can use me. Like you can ask me questions too. But how would we create a framework here? So one of the first things I would look at is we need to keep their attention. So one of the things is really the hook. So what's the kind of hook that you're going to have on every episode? Okay. I'm writing this all down. This yeah. is good. So now, but, but I want to pull back too, because I think the first thing you did, maybe you don't even know that you're doing this. No, I probably don't. Yeah. Because yeah, <laughs> I've seen, this is why it's a superpower. He does it like without, it's like when you ask someone like, write down instructions on how to tie your shoes. Like <laughs> you wouldn't know how to do that. Right. Like write down instructions on how to ride a bike. But the first thing you did is you, you gave the goal or intention of the content creation, which is to keep their attention. Yeah. So I think that is the first thing, right? It's like, yeah. okay, well, what's the outcome we're looking for? Is like, we want to keep their attention. We want them to listen to the whole thing. Right. Okay, so then now so, you're going into the how, I guess. So there's four things. Of, every framework has four elements to okay. it. And this is the four elements that we need to think about. One is that there's a, there's a geometry around it. In other words... When we talk about shapes, yeah. now, now there's bullet point lists. That's that's a list. That's a one-dimensional framework maybe. But when you're talking about shapes, triangles, squares, circles, squashed together in certain ways to create something. Now, here's why this becomes important. Each geometry creates something inside the person. The idea about a, behind a framework, it is visual, so it's emotional. Mm-hmm. And, and people say, well, how is a framework emotional? Because our visual intake is an emotional intake. This is why when we see a child, we smile. Or when we see a, if you're an animal lover and you see a puppy, you, you smile. When you see a sunset, you go, wow. The visual intake is emotional. 
the structure of the framework is logical. It's the one piece that joins the right brain and the left brain together with your content. Wow. And so the first thing is geometry. Okay. A circle, for instance, that typically gives you the feeling of inclusion. Hmm. Okay. An arrow, maybe direction. So each kind of geometric shape, we got to ask ourselves what geometry might make sense for this. Now, a lot of times we'll do circles. Now, for a podcast, if we're talking about content creation, a lot of times it's what's included. So we might use a Venn diagram, three circles. Yeah, I like it. Okay. That, which you guys, those are the three overlapping circles, which right. creates this like sweet spot in the middle. Yep. The second part, the part of the what I call the framework formula is what's the data, the content, mm-hmm. okay, the information. In, in other words, in other words, what are the things that they need to know? Well, in a podcast, it might be, you know, a hook, the content, and the call to action. I'm writing all this down. This okay. is great. Yeah. So there is the content piece. The third is what emotion do I want to instill in the user? Is it hope? Is it fear? What emotion do I want to instill? When you're teaching this. When you're teaching. Yeah. Okay. And then the last part of the formula is the unpacking of it. So we don't just throw it out there. We don't just draw it. If you watch me create frameworks, I'm co-creating it with the audience. I'm co-creating it, whether it's on the iPad or on a flip chart, I'm co-creating it with the audience. So they're on this journey with me. And in the process of doing that, the message starts to get embedded in them. Because you're building it live. Building it. And they're learning it piece by piece, and that's what's instilling the emotion. And coupled with the geometry, there's a lot of psychology that becomes uh, influence, psychology that comes into play when creating it. So now if I look at it, I go, all right, if I know what the objective is, and that is to keep them on the podcast and maybe to share the podcast. And I said, well, the three data points, you know, well, if I'm inclusive, it's probably three circles. Right. And the three data points that we came up with was hook, hook, content, content. and call to action. Yeah. So now we created this framework. And so each and every section of it, now when you go and approach your podcast, you're going, all right, What's my hook? What's my three pieces of points I want to make? And what's my call to action? Mm. And now you've got the recipe and you move from there each and every episode. Yeah. And see, I just think I love it because like I think traditionally I did this and I'm I'm moving to more frameworks and models. You can see it in my marketing, but I would have just made the list. It would have just been this two-dimensional linear list. Here's the hook. Here's the content here's called action but what i love and i don't know if this is the best example to do it on is that when i've seen you do this like if you guys draw the 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 venn diagram right it's the three overlapping circles so in the center all three have overlapped is that you have this area in the center which is the sweet spot but then what i've seen mel do at times is there's like secondary sweet spots right there is where Where they overlap where two out of the three overlap and it's like if you have this you get this if you have and it's like when you hear that, it's like, oh, this makes so much sense. So let's let's just play with that for yeah. a moment. The overlap between the hook and the content, if I've got a great hook and I have great content, what does that do? That typically means that it's high value. Yeah. So good hook, good content, high value, or I might even change it. I might say high shareability. Mm, okay. Okay? Yeah. Good content and the call to action good content and call to action, if I look at, at that, means that in all likelihood, I get a high conversion rate. Hmm. Okay. The call to action and the hook, that's a little harder to kind of bridge, but if you look at it and say, I've got a great hook, I've got a great call to action, the fact is, is that it probably will build trust because we fulfilled on the promise of the hook. Got it. Wow, yeah. I know it's hard to how do you yeah. do an episode where you only get the hook and the call to action. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love that. And I've seen you do that like where you can drill it down to like, okay, here's the framework for how to do an episode. Yeah. Here's the framework for how you 
run the podcast here. I mean, exactly. and you could do it at every micro or macro level. So watch how this plays into building your content, for instance. Yeah. So now I look at it and I say, all right, let's just look at the circle of the hook for a moment. Yeah. What are the three steps to build the hook? The content. What are three steps to build the content? What's the three steps? What are you, the three things you need for a good call to action? Now what you've done is layer one is creating the framework. Layer two is the steps mm. next. Yeah. Uh, and you could have a template for each absolutely. of those. Absolutely. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. So when you do this, guys, this is why this is so important. Like, how hard is it? I mean, I put Mel on the spot because I've seen him do this. He does it especially well when he just hears someone else yeah. thinking. And he's just packaging their knowledge in a unique way for them. It's absolutely incredible. But when you do this, you have something that others can't replicate. You have something that's uniquely yours. You have like true intellectual property, not just absolutely. like, here's the mic to get. Here's the mixer board, which is so many people are doing. They're creating the VCR instruction manual course. Yeah. And this is like, no, 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 no. This is what to focus on. Think about how this works. Whether you're an online creator or influencer or you're in the middle of a board meeting or you're in the middle of a negotiation or you're in the middle of a trial. This is what I did because those jury people are going to go into the jury room for deliberation. They're going to see data from the other experts. All the rows and columns of numbers. For me, they see a picture. Yeah. And that picture goes with them in the jury room. Mm-hmm. And they talk about it and they go, yeah, that Mel guy, it just, I understood that. Yeah. And thank, it made sense. Thank you, Melvin, for doing that. That was yeah. great. Yes. <laughs> Mel is short for Melvin. I'm sorry, it's out there now. It is out there. Oh, <laughs> did, man. Did you ever see that show, Bull? I did. Yes. Yeah, do you a, like that? I, I really love that show. It. It's like a guy who does like the jury analysis and yep. stuff. And like they talk about cases that are really hard because it's like this, the information in the case whether it was like a technology issue or like tax kind of crazy law loophole things hey the jury is not going to understand this stuff we got to find a way to use metaphors or symbols or frameworks to make it easy for them think about this i did a trial in uh santa barbara court it was a jury trial and they have something called the elmo and the elmo is like an over the new version of an overhead projector Okay. The other expert would go to the overhead projector and he would do his stuff. And then they turn around and said, Mel, would you present to the jury how you got to your numbers? And I said, it's okay. And they said, do you want to use the Elmo? And I said, no, can I use a flip chart? And they said, sure. So I take the flip chart and I put it right in front of the jury box. And I start drawing and I start narrating and I get it done. And then I go back to the witness stand and they're asking questions. I get off the witness stand. Here's the thing to think about psychologically when you talk about creating a visual in someone's mind. The attorney on the other side, rookie mistake. So if I used the Elmo, when I was done, they would have turned it off. (laughs) But when I was done, he didn't flip the flip chart. So the jury spent the rest of the day staring at my my picture and my numbers. This is this is what I'm saying. Like <laughs> Mel, like you find the like most genius things ever. Unbelievable. That was that's <laughs> I thought you were just gonna say like, oh you had a better framework. It's yeah, like no. no, I just found something that would not get taken down. <laughs> that's incredible. By the way, I just did jury duty a couple I think I already told you about it. I did No Oh yeah, I was I was there like maybe three weeks ago. I got called immediately like people are like everyone's like you're gonna be fine you sit in this room all day and they'll they'll let you leave and it was like nine in the morning they're like all right here's our first wave of jurors or whatever james wedmore i'm like damn it (laughs) and then so then you go into the you know outside the courtroom they're like okay we're gonna there's like 40 of us to go into the jury room but they call 12 jurors yeah and i was like all right Jury number one, James Wedmore. I'm like, come on. So I'm like in one of the original 12. And I'm sitting there. Like your mind starts going through. Like we're actually in the middle of a promotion. I'm like, I could take the one day off. But I'm like, this is going to be interesting how the rest of this is going to work. So when your mind is going through all the things I'm going to do, I was like, I think I'm just going to work at night. You know, maybe I just won't sleep as much or something. And then I'll come here and I'll be fine. And, you know, I just need like three or four extra hours and I'll be fine. I know your mind is going through all of that. And they do like two hours of. Yeah, they do. Maybe more than that of just interviewing all yeah. the, the jurors. And they asked me one question. They said, what is it you do again? <laughs> and I said, I'm a, I don't know how to, I, you know, I never know how to answer. I just said, I'm a consultant. They're like, what do you consult on? 
it was like business and marketing. I go, okay, you can be excused. <laughs> they just <laughs> let me go. Yep. And I was like, wow. All right. That's a good, that's a good yeah. tip. Where there was one girl there that was like, I want to be a lawyer. I'm oh my in school. Gosh. I want to be a lawyer. And she was like, I'm really excited to be here. I think I'm going to learn a lot. And she was like, blah, 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 blah. And they were like, yeah, you're excused. <laughs> yeah, you're out of here. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, that was my little jury duty story. And Mel, this has been fantastic because I think this is the conversation people need. I think this is the, these are the things that people need to be doing that they're absolutely, absolutely not doing. And it's weird. It's one of those, uh, it's what I would call, it's a blind spot. It's like we don't know that we need this. Yeah. We don't know that if we want to be selling information, that what's going to allow us to stand out in a marketplace where the barrier of entry is so low is to create something that is uniquely ours, and it can be done through as simple as drawing a few circles. It, it can't. <laughs> I mean, I don't I mean, want to oversimplify what you do. Right. But, but like, wow, that's what just transforms it into something else. We need to do the deep. It's not hard work. It's deep work. Yeah. We got to do the deep thinking so we have a unique perspective and present it. If you learn to communicate effectively, it's the greatest skill on the land is communication. Mm-hmm. God, so good. Now, is there anything else that you feel like you want to add before we wrap this up? Just probably one last thing is that a lot of people come at this and say, how do I be distinct and unique? Mm-hmm. All right. The challenge is that if we approach from the unique first and not the deep thinking first, what we find is we don't have the depth of thought in what we're presenting. We've got some cliche, you know, maybe it's I've got the spiked hair or I'm doing some stylized type of presentation. But once they get to know us. There's no depth. Oh, so good, the yeah. unique part of it, the distinction, which is your style, gets slapped on last. Yeah. Okay. Wait, I want to unpack that a little bit because that's great. Because <laughs> you're saying that when people are, you're right, like, how do I be unique? If it's a saturated market, how do I stand out? Most people are going to like branding and marketing yeah. and positioning. And so it's the, you know, it's the same whatever with a different outfit on. And that can only carry you so far if it can really carry you at all. And to start with the messaging first. Yeah. And then it doesn't matter if you got the spiked hair. It doesn't. Here's the other reason to think about your messaging first is that it permeates industry lines and it permeates delivery lines. So if I become known as a, so I'll give you an example. I was a CPA consultant and in order to build my business way back when I spoke, I wrote, I trained. I didn't get paid for any of those. So I was doing three different things to make money at one. But what I realized is that if my message is what's core, my insights, my perspective, the knowledge that I have is what's core, does it matter whether I write it, speak it? Does it matter whether I'm in the real estate industry or the construction industry? So what happens is when you focus on your knowledge first, marketing second, you then you avoid being typecast. In other words, I'm a speaker, author, you know, podcaster. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you avoid being what I call outcast. In other words, the industry that went out of favor. If I was the construction specialist in 2007, 2008, I was done in 2009. Yeah. But when you're focused on your message, you become a broadcast. Gosh, that's great, man. I love it. You have a podcast. I do have a podcast called uh, The Entrepreneur Solution. The Entrepreneur Solution. We yeah. can find it on iTunes. Yes, you can. We'll make sure to link that up in the show notes. How's it? How's it going? Are you Are you enjoying the podcast? I love it. Yeah, it's, it's so fun, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just tons of fun. I'm loving, it. and the more I'm like doing it, the more I want to like whittle away at everything else I'm doing. And be like, <laughs> just do this. Yeah. In terms of like all the marketing channels, like we're even just making social media about how do we get the word out about the podcast. Yeah. You know, it's like. I don't want to spread myself too thin. You do one thing, you do it better than anything and, and stick with that. This has been fantastic. I appreciate you not just taking the time, but taking the time to do this twice. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> second time's a jar. And to come to the office to be Dude. here. So thank you. Where can we learn more other than your podcast? Other than the podcast, melabraham.com. Dot com. We'll link that up as well, guys. And you can actually go to uh, thoughtpreneuracademy.com. Awesome. Thoughtpreneuracademy.com. Mel, thank you again. It was such a pleasure. Dude, man, it was my honor. Thank you. This was fun. Yeah. It was good. And thank you everyone for tuning in. We'll see you in the next episode. Take care. 
For 10 years now, I've made my living selling digital courses, membership subscriptions, and group coaching. I've been able to make millions of dollars. Yet even better, I've been able to help thousands upon thousands of students with my training. Yet I've never taught my system on how to actually get started, how to choose the right niche, the right product, the right tools, and the right plan. Until now. The information marketing industry is booming now more than ever. And if you've been sitting on the sidelines waiting to get in, well, now is your time. For the next eight weeks, I'm going to be delivering a brand new training course live, showing exactly how to get started and get profitable, even if you have no list, no product, or no idea. And the best part is, it's 100% free. All you have to do is request an invite to my private Facebook group. Every week, I'll broadcast a live, in-depth training with homework, action items, and of course, Q&A. So to request access to my private group now and join the training absolutely free, simply visit www.jameswedmore.com forward slash free. That's www.jameswedmore.com forward slash free. And I'll see you there.